Hello and welcome to Healthbeat Poets podcast. I'm Helen Shepherd, a poet who's worked as a midwife and writes about birth, health, the complexities and joys of caring and those whose voices are often unheard. Healthbeat Poets, for your podcast pleasures, are the spoken word poets who connect with communities around health, expect fantastic stories and exceptional poetry. I'm absolutely thrilled that Callum Wensley has joined me today um, for a chat and Callum is a non-binary poet and performer. They're representing Bristol in the next Hammer and Tongue National Finals. Yay, brilliant. Alongside the wonderful Gemma Hathaway. And later this year, they will be working on poetry and music collaboration with their friend, Tom Robertson. I've heard Callum perform poetry at many spoken word events, always authentic, and Tough Stuff is relatable and sensitively held. Her poems stay with you. Callum, last year you performed with BBC Upload. I really enjoyed it, but there was a surprising outcome. Would you like to share it with us? And it had a massive number of views. Um, I heard you perform it. Yeah, um, I, I did wonder. There were, that It was such a special event to be part of like that first tonic takeover of BBC Bristol Upload. That like all of it was a surprise. But yeah, the the response that that poem got absolutely blew me away. Like it got shared around on Facebook and Twitter. It ended up with I think it was like one and a half thousand views or something. Mm. Like some number I never thought that my poetry would ever get out to in the wider world. Like. It started off with like just family and friends sharing it. And then it was like friends of friends of friends of friends. And like, I've had people come up to me at gigs and go, hey, you're that poet who did that. And I'm like, I have no idea who you are. Why have you seen me? Probably one of my most important poems, just in terms of, I think, Mm. I try not to give advice too much because I think there's a danger in giving advice. But I think with that particular poem, what the... Uh, what the person who I was speaking to asked me for was my experience. What did I want my mum to know? What did I want my mum to understand about what I was going through? And I feel like in that particular scenario, giving advice was kind of warranted. But I think there is like there can be a danger with mental health to go, well, my experience is the only experience, rather than going, mine is a unique experience, yours will not be the same. <laughs> a woman, a mother found me in the interval of a mental health spoken word show. Shoulders as thin as her fading smile, she thanked me for my words and I never know how to respond to that. Then she tells me that her son has been hurting himself again and I don't know how to respond to that. And she's looking at me. Eyes filled with questions and I realise she's looking to me for answers and I don't know how to respond to that. I stress that I'm not a doctor a counsellor, therapist, qualified in any way, but she smiles, takes my hand and asks me what she should do. What should a mother do when their child is hurting themselves? One, be there. Two, understand this was never your fight. You are the coach. And sure, you stand there with towel in hand and you've never felt more like throwing it in than when you're watching your boy get bloodied, but you know, if you give up now, they will never forgive you. Three, do not raise your voice. Get mad, but don't show it. 
There's a voice in their head that tells them they are wrong. Do not give them a way to visualize it. Four, be there when they need you. Five, be close by when they don't. Six, sometimes asking if someone is okay is a reminder that they are not, have not, or will not be okay. This woman, mother, learned to change her language from daughter to son, so I ask her to change it again. Replace, are you okays with what do you need? Closed questions can open old wounds like a saw blade. Seven, don't ask a poet potentially life-changing questions. Eight, my mother never hid the sharp objects. Never had to. Only glass bottles and empty cans. And I would advise you do not make your child improvise. Nine, get help. For them and for you. Talk openly. Tell them about your own struggles. Encourage them to do the same. Get sad if they don't, but don't show it. Give them that space and see what they create. Ten, do not expect too much too soon. If it's to get better, that means it got worse. But I promise it can get better. And um, why poetry, Callum? Why not, eh? Um, I've always been interested in writing um, in various forms, but I found found poetry cathartic at a time when I really needed a healthy form of catharsism. Um, Especially in my first year of university, I was drinking far too much and I ended up coming across uh, the Button Poetry YouTube channel. And I was hooked from that point on. I was like, I want to write like this. I want to write like what I'm saying is important because maybe it is. And from then I went to various slams, open mics, and it's just grown. And like the other part of poetry is, God, the community is good, isn't it? Absolutely. Oh, what a lovely bunch of people. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree with you about it being a real community, particularly around times at the moment. But also in cities as well. You think that mm. you're quite invisible, but through poetry, you can be heard and have a voice and a wonderful thing, be able to express yeah. ourselves. Well, congratulations on achieving place at the Hammer and Tug finals. Thank you is very that, much. Whereabouts is it being held? Um, I have absolutely no idea. It's normally at the Royal Albert Hall, but yes, I feel like it might no. be the uh, Royal Albert Zoom. Well, that would be exciting. It'll happen sometime. Your slam poetry is packed with storytelling. How do you choose your poems to take? And can you tell us a bit more about your storytelling in your poems? Yeah, um, so uh, with choosing which poems to take to a slam, more often than not, I go with the same sort of three poems because I feel like they're my strongest in terms of if I think there is somebody judging me in the audience who's never met me before, what's my best foot forwards? Whereas like some slams, depending on if I'm really trying to win or if I'm just trying to have fun, sometimes I'll just take in poems that are either brand new or are like only on their second or third edit just to try and gauge a slam audience reaction as opposed to just like a standard open mic or a feature set reaction just to gauge, okay, is this going to score me high? Is this going to score me low? But then that gets into a whole conversation about whether or not like one audience is going to give you the same or not. Yes. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a weird one. I 
I try not to play it too tactically because then if I lose, I get annoyed at myself for playing tactically and go, oh, I should have chose the other poem. Whereas it's like, no, just go with the poems you wanted to go with. Um, with my storytelling in poetry, I always find the style changes depending on what the original impetus for writing it was. Like if I'm using poetry as catharsis, it tends to be more discussional with myself as I'm trying to rationalize what it is that I'm thinking and trying to understand my own thoughts. Whereas if I'm talking about a specific memory that I have or a specific sets of times, then I'm able to put it into a more storytelling narrative. Like the um, poem that I have, uh, Sunshine, which is the one about me and my mum on a drive home. It's probably based on about like 50 or 60 different drives that I've had with my mum at various points. But I see the route. I know exactly where it is. It goes from the middle of Watford Town Centre to home, which is about a 10 minute car journey. It's so vivid in my mind that I can't not tell the story because it's just so easy to go. It's this and then it's this and then it's this and then it's this and then it's this. With that one in particular, it's like it's got the backdrop of like my parents separating and what it was like to go through that. And it's just a it's just an ode to my mum, really, because she's a really nice gal. Yeah. Celebrate to mothers. And the imagery used in your poems and that one you are on whoever listens are on the journey with you a skilled tactic to be able to get the audience to be in your shoes a bit more and um, what are the themes that run through your poetry usually it's changed massively in like the last year or so Uh, but generally speaking uh, the main themes of my poetry are mental health masculinity and sometimes comedy sometimes they're sometimes they're funny but yeah it's mainly masculinity and mental health that i've written about in the past i've done romance to an extent mainly breakups because you're not a poet if you don't write about breakups (laughs) probably maybe don't listen to that that's nonsense but it's changed a lot in the last year uh, because my dad died back in april and since then i've not written anywhere near as much as i had been and everything that I do write is about grief because like writing when when I first got into poetry was it was catharsis and that's just sort of a force of habit now whenever I go to write my brain's like okay we're gonna go invent some emotions here and I've been putting that off because grief is not a thing that I want to deal with all at once when I'm writing and I don't want to associate writing with grieving because then I may not want to write in the future so I'm easing myself into it as and when I can like I've taken to editing a lot more. So I'm helping out with the Bath Spa Unislam team. I'm helping them prepare their work alongside Catherine O'Driscoll. I've done a little bit of work here and there with other writers helping to edit their work. So I found that as that's been sort of my way into poetry recently rather than actually writing myself because I'm not in a space mentally with the whole state of the world I don't need one of my favourite forms of escapism to be marred with all the dead dad sadness stuff. You're right. You have to be really in touch with yourself to write poetry. At the same time, to be working with other poets and listening to their voices and being active with putting events on. How have you found online events, Callum? Because in this world of trying to 
connect with each other it's a real challenge i really really want to like online events <laughs> i really really want to but there's something about them that leaves me feeling so drained at the end of an evening like even if i've just gone to watch if i've got my camera on for any amount of time i feel like everyone's staring at me even though like the speaker screen is on so if they are looking at me it's like a tiny little box in the corner but i'm like they're, they're staring at me they're absolutely staring at me so I, I find it a bit draining like on the on the other side of that is i can see why they're important and i can see why they're massively important for accessibility I think there's also the conversation like that we're having in schools at the moment about like whether people have access to the internet. That's a whole different question. But to actually have events that are, I believe, planning on staying remote uh, or bringing in projectors when we do go back into whatever the real world is going to be so that people can still contribute online. I think that's a brilliant thing. I think just for me, they're not my cup of tea. I'd much rather be in person. So I've really limited the amount of shows that I've like been to or seen or taken parks it's it, it just wipes me out and again I don't want to start associating feeling tired and wiped out with poetry because I yes. like poetry it's, it's really good and you know it doesn't suit everyone I I absolutely agree with you when live performances start up again to have the option of a screen so that poets can project themselves into events even for for reasons of anxiety or mm. uh, limited accessibility commitment with family um, yeah. to be able to still step into live poetry is so enriching it would be good to meet those two worlds really now I had the absolute privilege of doing a, writing a collaborative poem with you last year <laughs> and it was a brilliant experience to lyra poetry festival put together you as performance poet and me as more of a mm -hmm. page poet together yeah. uh, well we learned loads but the poem that we came up with was so special you are about to do um a music poetry and music collaboration with your friend tom robertson yeah. and um in your poetry there's already musicality um i'd really love to hear what your plans are for that piece of work yeah um so it's very very early doors at the moment um i i've, I've told you that i'm doing it as further sort of kicking my own ass into actually getting onto it because me and tom have been talking about doing it for ages uh, but tom is a really talented musician friend of mine and what we're aiming for is he said sort of lo-fi style guitars, synth, dreamy sounds alongside like my more storytelling-esque poetry. So for reference, um, the album that I've sent over to him most recently is Cataracts by Levi the Poet. Mm. Might be Cataracts or... No, it's... Uh, whilst that's an excellent album, um, it was Correspondence of Fiction by Levi the Poet that I sent over to Tom, Thank which you. is a narrative um, poetry album of about 12 tracks, I think it is. And it's, oh, it's just beautiful to listen to. I can like just sit in my little room and dream away to that. And that's what, that's what I'm hoping to get out of this project. At the moment, I still need to write and record, which as said, writing at the moment is a little bit mentally challenging. But if I start saying that me and Tom are doing this, then I will record the poems and then Tom can put music to them as he wants to. So yeah, the plan is to just have something come out that's nice 
and dreamy and easy listening. And you know, it's really important for these projects to happen organically and not be rushed because when you're artists and creatives, it's good to have um, deadlines, but sometimes for collaboration, it's got to take its own speed, hasn't it? Yeah, it does. But I also need to do the work and I am a massive one for procrastinating. So the more I tell people I'm doing this, the more expectation there is that it will happen. And therefore I will need to do the work at some point. I'll keep reminding you, Callum. <laughs> Please do. Would you like to share a poem with us? I would be delighted. Um, I'm going to share one of my more recent ones. Uh, So this was inspired by a tonic prompt. I believe it was daisies and dandelions. I can't remember. I think this was one that they gave to everyone. I think everyone had the prompt daisies and dandelions and everyone came together and brought. There were a few themes that like crisscrossed but it was wild to see how many different poems came out of the same prompt and so many different styles of performance um so this is it is about grief it is about the death of my dad so if you are listening and you are grieving at the moment and that's not your cup of tea please do feel free to mute yourself for and i don't know however long this poem is i've not timed it before it's not that long so hopefully you won't have to mute yourself for too long right here's a poem When the flowers arrive, you will want to cry. You will see the dead pressed together, made beautiful by the smell of decay. This is mourning, loved thing taken from the earth. When the flowers arrive, you will have to keep the cat away. Kind friend, apologizing for a death they were not responsible for nearly doubled the death toll by sending lilies and killing the cat. When the flowers arrive, you will not understand why everyone is sorry for your loss. You will not be ready to accept that you have lost. You will not imagine them dead, therefore they are not. When the flowers arrive, you will run out of vases. You will have to ask the neighbours for more. They will also be sorry. As they hand over their glassware, you will think to yourself that you could drop their vases right now and they would still apologise to you. When the flowers arrive, spend time in your own garden. Sit on the grass, pick at the weeds, curse them for being yellow and alive and for not being sorry. Rip out their hair, ask the universe if someone loves you. Blow away their heads, ask the universe to bring him back. Gosh, Callum, thank you very much. Absolutely packed with the seasons through grief and Mm. also so well matched with the times we're keeping going through. Brilliant poem. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm lost for words. It was so beautiful. Um, thank you for sharing your poetry and also your take on poetry and health. Is there anything that you'd like to say to poets that are listening about getting their words down and out? Yeah, in terms of getting your words down, oh, don't care, don't worry at all. Everyone's first draft is shit. 
but I promise you, there's never been a good first draft that, even if it was good, couldn't have been improved. So whatever you're writing, you are absolutely fine. Carry on. Um, in terms of getting your words out, um, stand outside your front door and shout them at your neighbours. Um, if they aren't appreciating that at the uh, current climate, um, do what I struggle to do. Go to all the online events that are available. The best thing about them being online is at the moment they are free. So if you do have internet access and you do have the stamina to make it through an entire three hours of Zoom call, more power to you. But they are a brilliant resource. And then when the world does open up again, if you are in the Bristol area or wherever you are, find your open mics, find your poetry community, and they will welcome you with open arms, I can assure you. Helen, thank you. And thank you for being part of my, my poetry tribe that keeps me going. Thank um, you so, so much for having me, Helen. <laughs> <laughs>